Maya Angelou was coming to our community to speak. At the time, I didn't realize how much of a big deal that was. Um, but I remember her like reading my poem. I don't even remember what the poem was about. And she told me, she was like, you have a gift, keep writing. That's Melissa D. Montz, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Melissa DeMonts is a writer, director, podcaster, producer, screenwriter, and more seriously, she can pretty much do anything needed in the world of film, TV, and podcasting, let alone all of her volunteering. She hustled early, taking on multiple internships at once, and is still hustling today as a producer on three podcasts, including one she co-hosts, plus writing and running a team. On this episode, we trace her journey from Arkansas to LA, why she loves Chelsea Handler, how she manages her time because she is the extreme end of what anyone as a human can get done in one day and one week. And we talk about the day she was blessed by Saint Maya Angelou. All that and so much more coming up, but first. If you're interested in discovering what possibilities and businesses are available for you to create and to live your most fulfilling life, please visit thepowerfulladies.com forward slash coaching and sign up for a free coaching consultation with me. There is no reason to wait another day to not be living your best life when you instead could be running at full speed towards your wildest dreams today. Hi, welcome to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before I have you introduce yourself to everyone listening, I asked Jordan why she recommended you, and I love what she said. She goes, she shows up every day like a boss, and she's like boss on the top and party on the bottom. Like she carries in (laughs) things in these heels that I've never seen someone carry and like run around in before. I'm like, she's like, she's real powerful. I'm like, that sounds powerful. (laughs) Wow, that is I, I I try to present myself in like a uh like uh I've I've found when I wear like heels and stuff people take me a little bit more seriously cuz I'm petite and <laughs> so I try to try to look the part. I love it. Um so so everyone knows who they who they're listening to. Would you mind telling us who you are and what you're up to? My name is Melissa DeMonts, and um, I am a producer, director, writer, a little bit of everything. And you host your own podcast also? Um, I I, um, produce three podcasts, and I'm a co-host on one of them. So I produce um, Not Too Deep with Grace Helbig, uh, Don't Blame Me with Megan Rinks, which I co-host, and then uh, Directionally Challenged with Candace King and Kayla Yule. I love it. How did you end up in the world of podcasting? Um, I've been, uh, I was working as an assistant for someone and, um, we worked on, um, television shows and podcasting and, uh, movies and stuff and podcasting was part of it. And from there it just grew. Are you an LA native? So it's like easy to get into the industry as well. Where are you from? No, I'm from Arkansas. What part? I'm from Fayetteville, Arkansas. And how did you end up out here? I, uh... Okay, so I was first studying, and I say I'm from Fayetteville, first of all, um, but I actually moved around a lot as a kid. So I was actually born in um, Little Rock, Arkansas, and I've lived in Tennessee, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, Texas, Kansas. I think that's everything. Yeah, that's everything. You sound like our Um, family. Really? (laughs) Yes. And then I ended up back in Arkansas when I was in eighth grade. Um, and my parents promised me um, once I got to high school, then we wouldn't move anymore. So um, I, we ended up back in Arkansas. Uh, I went went to college at the University of Arkansas. That had always been my plan because my mom went there too. So mm-hmm. um, 
no matter where we were going to live. And so I went to the University of Arkansas. I was studying biology, actually. So my whole plan was I was going to be a dentist um, or orthodontist. And um, I took a dental class, and I did not like it at all. <laughs> and I was like, um, now I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And so I went and I talked to my counselor, and she was like, well, you've been taking, like, these writing classes and producing classes, like just for fun, maybe that's something you might want to think about as a career. And so this was like at the end of my junior year of college. And so I started looking into different like things within um, the entertainment industry. And I had, like I said, took a writing class. It was a playwriting class. But then that next semester, they offered a screenwriting class for the first time. So I took that and I was like, I really, really love that. And so um, after I finished with school, I started looking into other programs here, like in Los Angeles. So I came out and I did uh, worked on um, several student projects um, just to get my feet wet and learn about different things in the entertainment industry. Um, and once I like did that, I really fell in love. So I saved up some money for a couple years and then I got in a car, packed up a car. My mom, um, one of my sisters, and my niece, we drove out here. Um, and from there, it's just like I, I studied at UCLA, studied, studied filmmaking. Um, and it just kind of, I did a whole bunch of internships. And then it all rolled into like being an assistant and then working on films and podcasting. And from there, that's the story she wrote. <laughs> Well, I think you really touched on things that really matter to a lot of the people listening in the sense of when you know that you have to pivot in life, mm -hmm. how do you, you know, sometimes it feels like you're like, I'm pivoting, but I'm going back down to the bottom again. Like I've already worked this far. And so what I really hear is not only the perseverance, but like, how did you choose what path to take? How did you get your internships? Like, what did the hustle look like from the ground up? Uh, I'm always, I've always been like, I always see a big picture of what I want my end goal to be. And so from there, I will, I always come up with um, what my end goal is going to be. And then I set goals. So with the internships, I just like, basically, this is when um, unpaid internships were still legal. <laughs> and um, I was just like looking and I would just uh, online. Um, there are several websites where you can look or like through school. And I um, just go do, do internship after internship. Like I had friends that were in my programs and they, um, they might do like one internship per semester, but I was constantly doing internships the whole time. Um, and I think I, and from that, like I learned how to edit, which I wouldn't have learned how to do because that wasn't part of my program that I was in at school. Um, and that, that from the, the editing really set me up for podcasting. So, yeah. um, and then like, um, doing like, uh, I had one where I was, um, I, I just did script coverage all day. And so that set me up for the screenwriting so I do a little bit of everything. And I think that's something that um, has helped me along the way because mm -hmm. I have a skill in every subset of entertainment. And so I can jump in at any time. And it gives you so much corporate collateral in being able mm -hmm. to, however someone needs you to show up, you're prepared. And even if you're exactly. not an expert in that space, you know enough about how it all works together that you can jump in and make it all work. Exactly. No, and I, I understand how every part of the process works. Right, right. No, it mm -hmm. sounds very similar to the path that um, I was following when I was working in footwear and apparel where I'm like, okay, if I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to be the CEO of like what we're doing, like how do I know enough of everything where there's no reason for me not to be the boss? Mm -hmm. And it was it was strategic, but I also through that, you know, got to pick and choose when opportunities would come up. Like, okay, do I want to keep going down this path and get more um, more knowledge in this area, or do I want to take this other opportunity that will give me an alternative perspective and more and expand that corporate collateral? And I think that a lot of people get stuck in 
I have to have this one specific niche. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, no, like (laughs) if you don't, if you don't love it and you're not like, no, I'm going to, I'm just going to draw things for the rest of my life. That's all I want to do. Then I'm like, no, like go do the other things, go try the other things. Cause I think there's the illusion that you can't move around. Like it hurts you from a, a career perspective when in fact, I think it helps when you have the bigger picture and the different uh, skill sets and just scope of work that you can right. talk to. Right. And so like for me, like I told you, I'm a writer and um, producer, not just a podcast, but I had like yeah. a show that was on for four seasons that you can stream on uh, on, on um, Amazon Prime. And so like in between my projects, the bigger projects, I always have my podcast too that are still generating income. Mm-hmm. What was the show that you can stream on Amazon? It's called Mr. Student Buddy President. What is it again? Mr. Student Buddy President. Oh, and so Mr. Yeah, Student Body President. I was mm-hmm. hearing Mr. Shoot the President, and I'm like, I haven't heard <laughs> of that one. <laughs> Yeah. That that's a that's another uh, good name for a show too. Oh, you can have that one. I'll give that one to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Student Body President. Yes, uh-huh. I'm familiar with that one. Okay, awesome. And what is it like seeing your work showing up on Amazon Prime? It is amazing because it w- it was on um, another streaming pr- platform called Go Ninety that Verizon had for a short period of time, and um, and just being on like able for people just to watch it on, on a screen anywhere was cool, but then taking it to the, that next level of being on Amazon Prime is even cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've done, um, Powerful Ladies partnered with WebFest Berlin the, okay. uh, last uh, fall, and we did it because I, I know the woman who founded it, and then she was on the podcast, and it just became this natural fit, but it was so interesting to step into the a world that is like not one that I am familiar with, and to see how many parallels there are across industries. But I love the fact that people who are writers and directors and actors and, you know, all the things you need to produce a body of work that um, for streaming services to see how how many amazing stories there are Mm -hmm. and also how they're coming together as a community to help each other's stuff get made and get promoted and found. And I'm like, I love this. Like, I love the grassroots independent spirit that's running through it, um, which I also see in podcasting to some extent too. Um, like, how does it feel on the ground? Like, do you feel that that camaraderie and collaboration? Do you feel like there's a lot of spaces for people who want to make something today for it to actually come to life? Yeah, 100%, because we're all walking around with like a full recording studio in our pockets because our phones can record audio they can shoot video and then you can put it up on YouTube and thousands of people if not millions of people can see it as soon as you make it so there's so many opportunities out there do you feel like that's making it more competitive or is it just meaning that there'll be more content and more platforms for people to take it all in I don't think it's more competitive because it seems like every second there is a new streaming service popping up. Plus all the networks have their own streaming services. And then you still got traditional TV and cable. There's so many more opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that there's also a big movement when they were at, when I was at WebFest, about really focusing on um, women. That's why we were invited because it was the first like gender parity, gender neutral jury and uh, submissions and all of this stuff and just seeing how uh, women and minorities are getting more attention in that space. I really feel like it's almost like a creative renaissance opportunity if people Mm -hmm. want to lean in on it. Um, What's making you the most excited about how people are creating content today and films and podcasts and everything else under the sun? Uh, That they're just doing it and Mm -hmm. people feel like that they have an outlet to do it and it's not like this secret Hollywood land where you know you gotta be somebody's niece or nephew to get into it you Mm -hmm. can just make stuff and people can see it and if it's good then the right eyes will see it being in this industry do you have moments when you've like fangirled out on somebody and you know been like oh man that really it was a little embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 
Chelsea Handler was um, one of the biggest guests that I've had on a podcast before. And um, I walked up to her to bring her back into the room. And she asked me how I was doing. And um, I just like looked at her and nodded my head. And it just like that <laughs> runs in my head all the time. Because she's someone like she's a big part of the reason why like I got into the entertainment industry and um I would watch Chelsea lately all the time I had all her books um she um even when I was coming out here to work on student films twice I went to go see Chelsea lately live and so like being like one-on-one with her and she was the sweetest person too um and she like put us on her Instagram story. Like, she was great. I was just, like, very nervous when I initially met her. She's the big... I've met, like, a lot of um, celebrities or people that I admire, but she's got to be, like, the biggest one so far. And she's pretty badass. Yeah, she is. 100%. Who else inspired you and your path? Um, I think my mom is, like, one of my biggest inspirations. She... um, she has like a BA in journalism. She has a MBA, a uh, master's in divinity, and she's currently working on a doctorate. Like she, and then she Damn. runs all these like, she's runs all of these like organizations that are um, like social involved um, as far as like uh, building up the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also is an associate. Um, director at the University of Arkansas as well. So, and she worked in corporate America. That's why we moved around a lot. It's like every time she got a promotion, then we had to move. So she, and she did a major pivot when she went from corporate America to education. Um, And uh, she just like, she's inspiring. What is it about her that you, you admire and, or what have you tried to take on into your own uh, path? She's always busy and never bored. And she's always doing something or creating something or being an inspiration to someone. And so that is what really inspires me and drives me. Mm -hmm. And what is it, uh, going back to Chelsea, like what about Mm -hmm. her is what you said, like, that's my person. That's the one that I'm going to like follow (laughs) and like be inspired by. Like, what is it about her that really you were attracted to? She made me laugh and just like took ownership of who she was and was very authentic. And um, even like when she left E, it was because she was just like tired of being so like surface level with her content. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, she just like, and she has her own production company. She just takes ownership and takes up space and knows who she is. Yeah. When you look at what you're up to for this next year, like, what are you excited about? What are you, like, what are you working on right now that everyone else can be on the lookout for? I really have my head down right now focusing on my screenwriting, Mm -hmm. um, which I had kind of let fall by the wayside recently, but I've finished up um, the first draft of one screenplay working on another one and a teleplay right now as well. Um, I'm also getting into, I've been prepping for directing my first audio book. So, uh, Mm. that's something new that's on the horizon as well. Very cool. How do you direct an audio book? So, um, you, um, it's pretty much the same as how you prep for directing TV or movies or anything or anything. You get the script, which is the book, Mm -hmm. um, sit down go through, outline how um, you want the uh, the reader, the person that's narrating the book, um, to say it or the direction to give them. Um, also, like, looking up words, how they, they should be pronounced and being in contact with the author, um, like, about certain names that it may be pronounced, like, Lara or spelled the same way, may be pronounced differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just showing up and giving direction to the reader or actors if it's uh, Mm -hmm. a group setting for a book. So it seems like your day-to-day and your week are very full. Like, what is your schedule 
actually look like for people who are like, how is it possible to do everything Melissa's doing? <laughs> it changes every day. Um, I I mean, like this week, um, this week's a little different. We are, <laughs> I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, we are all uh, a little bit in lockdown, quarantined. Um, yes. But we're filming on, um, on March 15th. So okay. we're recording on March 15th, so we're going to have some context, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but usually during the week, Mondays, I um, record Directionally Challenged with Candice and Kayla. Um, then I come home and I do some writing, editing. Um, and then Tuesdays, I'm usually recording with Megan for Don't Blame Me. Then it's like I record in the morning, come home, write, edit. And then um, Wednesdays are usually uh, just pure writing. Thursdays I record not too deep. And then Fridays is pure writing. It's And it's also not just me. I have a team. Um, so shout out to Shireen and Katrina and Amanda and all the amazing people that that um, that work with me. Um, so and they're your Katrina team. Helps keep- oh, sorry. They are your team for writing, for producing. How does the team help you on and on which projects? Uh, there. Um, so Amanda does a lot of the videography, um, and that's for the podcast. And then with Shireen, she helps edit, and she's also my writing partner. And then uh, Katrina does. Um, uh, some editing, and then she also creates the promos and marketing for podcasts and social media. So you're a true example of what a girl squad can create. Yes, yes, 100%. When you first moved to L.A., did you um, were you able to find uh, these women that are now in your squad and, like, on your team? Or, like, did you have a journey of finding your right fit and your circle in L.A.? Like, how did yeah. you get from newbie to where you are today where you have all these projects and opportunities and a badass team? Um, working on a lot of, like, student films and um, other just, like, outside projects, mm-hmm. um, I met a lot of great people. Um, for example, Shireen and I, she actually, we worked on this project called Journey of the Vagina, which is like this web series. <laughs> and so uh, she was the she was a cinematographer on that. And we've stayed friends. That was, um, I think, eight, seven or eight years ago. We stayed friends throughout all that. Um, she works, she does freelancing um, directors directing and um also has podcasts as well and then once um I was able to hire her on to be part of my team then I brought her on to help with writing and other things that come up she's a co-producer when I think of is it journey of the vagina is that the right Uh title yes (laughs) I almost don't want you to tell me what the storyline is because I have like five different options in my head of what this project could be about and most of them make me want to laugh. So I'm I'm excited for what that opportunity might be. Yeah. 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 I mean, it never, uh, that was like a project where like every one of us that were working on it, we're all new to LA and still trying to figure things out. So it, it never really like landed anywhere. It's, you can't see it anywhere. I still have copies of it on my hard drive, but it was yes. a good like learning experience for all of us. Um, I'm so tempted. And a networking experience. I'm so tempted to make that like a exclusive premiere through Powerful Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Never before seen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, please no, no. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> um, when you look back from, you know, childhood to where you are now, would somebody have guessed that you're doing what you're doing today based on who you were as a kid and what you were up to? You would think so, because I was always writing stuff. I mean, when I was in third, I would say like second through fourth grade, I was really, really obsessed with Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I would sit and write what I didn't know were like teleplays or like scripts, and I would write them at home and then give them to my friends and make them learn the scripts, and then we would like perform them at recess. Um, and I, that was always in the back of my mind, but I always have like the, my science mind too. So like I focus, I never thought of like 
writing, producing, directing, like that being part of my career, it always just mm-hmm. seemed like something fun to do. Yeah. Um, and like being a doctor was always the primary focus. But then um, once I figured out that's not what I wanted to do for a career. Um, Like I still sit in, like yesterday I was sitting and I was just doing algebra problems just because, just for the fun of it, like just to make sure my brain was still working (laughs) um, in that type of way. Um, But I I wouldn't have thought that this is where I would end up. Yeah. Well, I do think that it's a sign of a powerful lady when you are orchestrating all of your friends to do what you want to do. I have similar stories in my own background of like making everyone do school my way, like the pretend school and organizing a camp, a summer camp at our house when I was like nine or eight. Mm -hmm. I don't know why my parents said yes to that. Um, (laughs) But like there's something about- Now I'm curious about what you were doing at the camp. (laughs) Uh, Well, we did put on a play. I remember Uh like everyone having to dress up and we like got t-shirts from, I think my dad or everyone brought one of their like- dad sized t-shirts and we made it mm-hmm. into something and I remember like some people had face paint on but I don't remember why like it was like a week of I think me forcing the neighborhood to do things and at the end we presented a, a play that's what I remember wonderful I love it yeah um there's a few pictures that still exist of it <laughs> um but there's something I think really empowering about just like doing it like just doing it because you can right like you did your mm-hmm. teleplays for powerful rangers and you made your friends perform it and you're like okay this is a good day, guys. Thanks. It's a wrap. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. I yeah. get mad if they weren't doing it right, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how? What? When you think of powerful ladies as individual words and as a combined phrase, what does it make? What does it symbolize to you today? And how has that changed over time for you? Uh, powerful ladies. I think to me that means someone that. Um, empowers people so they um, they not only lead but they also um, they also are an example of how to be a leader and also pull up others around them other women around them and uh, present opportunities for them and has that changed over time for you or has that kind of been like what you always thought it was that's always been Um, how I thought it was. Um, I remember, um, when I was about 10, um, I had, there was this essay contest where Maya Angelou was coming to our community to speak to, um, just like a group of girls. And there was like this essay contest where you could write a poem, any type of writing. And then she would like read it. And so like, I remember her, I know it was like, at the time, I didn't realize how much of a big deal that was. Um, but I remember her, like, reading my poem. I don't even remember what the poem was about. And she told me, she was like, you have a gift, keep writing. Um, and and that's something that's always, like, stuck in my head. And I'm sure she probably told every girl this uh, something along the same lines. But it was just, like, having somebody that was... Um, a published author and I didn't know that she like at the time that she was a director and actress and activist and all these amazing things but she said words that always spoke to me so hold on so we are currently in the presence of someone who as a writer was blessed Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. Maya Angelou yeah do you put that on your resume (laughs) like I feel like that should be on your LinkedIn I don't I don't um I haven't, and I haven't given much thought to it. Um, I now want somebody. I, I want someone to illustrate this now. Like I want an illustration <laughs> of Saint Maya Angelou, like blessing you and your writing, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm just like a a brat, like ten year old. That's like uh, whatever, lady. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, lady. <laughs> thank you so much. Where like all the adults around us are like freaking out. I was like. Yeah, she seems pretty cool. I like her voice. Seems cool for I a don't grandma. Remember. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember at that. I think, yeah, that would have been after. I do remember because she spoke at uh, Bill Clinton's inauguration. I remember, I remember seeing her on TV for that. So that would have been after. 
So I remember that, but still, like, that just, it wasn't as big of a deal for me then as it is now. As a 10-year-old, there's no context to it at all, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, like, you, like, go up, say thank you, shake your hand. You're like, cool, can we Mm -hmm. get ice cream now? And your parents are like, wait, hold on. This is a moment that you are not appreciating. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When you were talking about what you admire about Chelsea and your mom and even Maya Mm -hmm. Angelou just now, um, I really heard in your share like this um, this red line of be- someone being like a social justice warrior and like yeah. standing up for themselves and also people in their community who like cannot stand up for themselves or don't have access to. How important is that to you and, and what you're creating and the stories that you want to tell? Oh, that's so important to me. It shocks me how much people just don't care mm-hmm. about other people, how selfish people are. Um, and so um, just like in my everyday life, I do a lot of volunteer work. Um, like I volunteer with um, big brothers, big sisters. I have a little sis that's 10 years old and I try to be like a good example for her. Um, and then I also volunteer with like an organization called Happy Period where they provide um, menstrual products to women um, that are homeless. Um, Food Forward, which is another organization where we go around to different um, farmers markets because a lot of times they throw away the food that they don't have Mm -hmm. at the end of, that they don't sell at the end of the day. So we pick up boxes um, and then someone comes and takes those to different homeless shelters. Um, And then just any way I can give back, I try to. What are the the um, topics or issues that matter most to you, if you had to choose? Uh, women's rights, um, immigration is another big one. I took a trip down um, to the border with this organization called This Is About Humanity last year, and um, it we go, it's like down we go down to the border and. Um, learn more about the crisis and make sure that this is uh mainly about like the children being separated from their parents Mm -hmm. um and so with that organization um they um it's like making sure that the information doesn't get lost in the news cycle that people are still talking about it so um immigration is a big one that i care about too um and just caring it's just like i like my biggest thing is just like giving people to give a fuck about what's going on in the world mm-hmm. getting and, outside your bubble yes yes and is that something that you've been passionate about your whole life or was there a moment that it like you saw an injustice that you just had to it ignited your passion for it it's my whole life i've always been volunteering um mm-hmm. like i said my mom it's the lead of a, of a few organizations. And then, like, I, I thought that people volunteering was just, like, a normal thing that people did. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, mom, dad, sisters, we always volunteered. And then as I got older, I realized that it wasn't something that everyone did. Um, and that bothered me a lot. Um, so I've always, it's always been in my mind. Yeah. What do you feel like there are privileges that you have had based on the strength and connection with your immediate family that you were, you know, lucky to be born into? Yeah, um, it, um, my, I guess I've, my parents are still married. I'm very close to my parents and my sisters and, um, it, and even my like extended family were all really close and it, um, really, as I grow older, grew older and realized that people weren't as close with their family and friends or their family members or their parents, um, it really hurt my heart mm-hmm. that like parents just didn't care. Some people's parents just didn't care. Like, why would you decide to bring people in the world that you don't care about? Um, or just like, other people just not talking to family members. It, it just boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. So I think that because of that, I can see a lot of good in the world. Um, and a lot of things, like 
things anger me, but they don't bring me down. They don't like kill my spirit. So yeah. I use that anger to drive change. Mm-hmm. I love it. No, I think that, you know, Jordan and I are really lucky to be part of a similar family. Like our parents are both still married. There's mm-hmm. four of us kids. We're all pretty close. Um, in fact, we were like driving around with our dad the other day trying to help him house hunt. So yeah. Um, like it catches me off guard when like your family isn't like all up in your business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, is that a privilege people can have? Like, <laughs> I know it's a choice. Yeah. Um, but I feel really lucky about that, and I really feel that a lot of my personal like self confidence or fearlessness about take trying some things other people mm-hmm. think are scary comes from the fact that. I didn't have to worry about those family foundational things right. that other people may have. Um, and so, like, part of my mission is getting rid of the word, like, I can't. Mm-hmm. Like, empowerment is so important to me. And, and you know, I, I truly believe that there's a blend of, you know, your personal uh, confidence, access to resources and education, and, like, access to a community that needs to bring all of this together, which— I mean, ultimately, is the foundations for the powerful lady structure. Um, but I just want everyone to know they can do whatever they want in the world. Like, it's actually possible mm-hmm. to be a thing. And as you said, like, be nice. Like, we're right. <laughs> we're so much more alike than anything else. Like, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the the border crisis and the immigration and separating families, I just step back and I say, hold on. If somebody tried to separate my family, like, I would lose my shit. Like Me too. Who, who thought that was a solution? Like, it makes me think that, one, like, a mother probably didn't think that was a solution. 100% it wasn't. And it's like, it, ah. It's, a, it's set up to psychologically scar people. That to scar people, it's set up by people that, by these government officials that think they're better than mm-hmm. other people. And so they do it to psychologically scar people because when you tear apart a family, then you're putting this mental thing in there that's going to last in the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, even when a lot of these kids are getting reunited with their parents, they don't even remember who their parents are. Yeah. And that's disgusting and sad. Well, I mean, if we have an issue separating um, mothers and babies from the animal world, Mm-hmm. Why Why would we do it to humans? Like, that's the part that I'm because like— Because the people that are doing it are oh. dehumanizing the humans. It's all about yes. dehumanizing them. This, I, I believe Gandhi has has a quote about, you know, the, the cultures and countries and civilizations in the world that have the best quality of life are often the ones you can measure that are also giving the best quality of life to the animals in, mm-hmm. their, in their space. And I think it really speaks to— um, the, the empathy and the uh, universal connection that people are just accepting. And we had a guest on a couple episodes ago. We were talking about um, like what makes Canada so great sometimes, about how they have a pretty good policy of really focusing on diversity and they have an onboarding process for if you're an immigrant into the country. And they're really good at doing, in my opinion, this third part, my, my personal opinion of uh, really doing good internal PR. Like they do good, like be proud to be Canadian PR. And this is what Canada stands for from a very humanistic perspective. And I just wonder, like, um, there are moments when I wish five-year-olds were in charge of government decisions because yeah. they would never, they wouldn't choose anything that would hurt someone. They would, mm-hmm. ch- I mean, we might have to like, calm down on like everyone gets sugary cereals for life or something, but they're going to choose like, no, like people should love each other. People should be happy. People should have food. People should have a home. Like they're going, they know what they need. So I think that they would speak to that. And I don't know how we, what happens to us as adults where we lose that um, we all need the same things. Right. It's like America, it's like America is the greatest and everyone else sucks. And that is not the mindset that we should have. Yeah. And even within our own country. Like, God bless America, but fuck everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even even in the U.S., we have Mm -hmm. um, a hierarchy, whether we want to accept it or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. Are you hopeful that what's happening with, um, I'm just going to generalize, like, 
people under 35 and even people under 20? Like, do you see positive change happening in a way that gives you encouragement that fundamental changes are happening or on the brink of happening at a more rapid pace? Uh, honestly, I think that people, the, the, it's still a small amount of people that are trying to make change. I don't think that it's been like an exponential growth. I think that people are being, that you're hearing it or seeing it more because of social media, but Mm -hmm. it's still like for that one person that's speaking out, there's like five other people that aren't doing anything or don't care. Yeah. Um, So I just think the more vocal that we are, um, then maybe it will seep into other people's heads. Um, But I don't I don't know. I want it I want it to be better, but I just I don't know. Like the fact that we have never had a woman president just baffles me. Mm-hmm. And it's when we have these super qualified women that are running um even like just this election cycle and they're not getting any votes that propel them um to be in the next, like, to be seen as, like, a major competitor in, or even, like, the last two standing is just bonkers to me. I'm curious when the data research comes out, when we look at, for all of the candidates that were running for the Democratic Party um, mm-hmm. for this elec- election cycle, I'm really curious how um, often in traditional media the women were shown, mentioned, or spoken about. I mean, Elizabeth Warren Warren was a front runner for a long time, and then they just stopped talking about her for a while. Yeah. And then right before everyone was casting votes in the primaries. And that makes no sense to me. But we're still talking about other candidates that weren't. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Makes zero sense. What I'd like to come back to, because what I'm clear on is that I thought you were already had a full schedule before we went into your volunteering <laughs> and active activism. So I'm wondering, like, do you do things that normal people would do, like hang out with friends and go to the gym and like sleep? <laughs> like, yeah, I go. I, uh, I, I am getting better about my sleep. I was like at the point where I was only like sleeping five hours a day. But I've made it so that, it, but and I was barely functioning, mm-hmm. and so I've made sure now that I get eight hours of sleep every day, um, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and then um, I go to the gym every, pretty much every day. Um, I also have like a bike at home, so mm-hmm. I work out every day. Um, hang out with friends. Um, I have one. I have had to like limit myself to one social activity a week um whether it's in the on the weekend or during the week but um but also like when I go a lot of my workout classes um are like I go with friends as well so that's a social activity yeah and then all the wonderful women that I work with that I do podcasts with are my friends as well so it doesn't even seem like work sometimes it just seems like we're getting together to hang out so yeah I think incorporating work and um, friendships, and I, I, I went once I was able to get into a position where I didn't have to work with assholes anymore. It it actually (laughs) like made my life a lot easier. (laughs) Yeah, and it's. I mean, I'm such a big component on doing your own blend of things because you get to mm-hmm. do what you enjoy. You get to work with and hire whoever you want. And if you're having fun and you're working, it's a two for one. It's like, yeah, it's check, check 18 boxes all at once because right. you can. I think that there are a lot of people who get stuck taking the leap into what they care about or trying something out because they're really attached to their very comfortable schedule mm-hmm. where no, like I just work, you know, a nine to five. I come home. I get to do whatever I want. I can go to dinner every night. I can cook. I can, you know, there's all these things that we've kind of have added value to that may or may mm-hmm. not really ha- have us be satisfied. When 
I'm personally a person that will like throw it all in a pot and mix it up together and see what yeah. I'm actually able to do in a week. Now, yeah. saying that, I also am in a period of time where I know I have to get more balance and I have to scale back my working hours because it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also doing it for all things that I care about. Like there's mm-hmm. such a difference of working 14 hours a day for your business and what you love and what brings you joy than working 14 hours for someone else. And the reason you're working right. 14 hours is because they can't get their shit together mm-hmm. <laughs> when you could have done it in one hour. Right. Like it, it's it's a totally different perspective. It is. For people who, I, oh, please go and ahead. And I don't, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I am not going to knock anybody that has a nine to five that like satisfies you. And that's, that's great for you, but that doesn't, that's not good for me. Like I get bored. I can't just show up and do the same thing every day. Every day my job is something different. Yeah. And there are other people that would, that would give a heart attack too, if they mm-hmm. didn't know what to expect every day. So yeah. totally. Um, we want you thriving in whatever you, where you want to be. Like right. the bridge I'm trying to create is if you're not where you want to be in some area of your life, I'm like, call me, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like I haven't gone so far as to put my phone number on the website yet, but we might get there one day. You can get a Google voice number. People can leave you voice messages. I, that actually brings me total joy. Like uh, one of my clients one time said that I should have like an Ask Kara Instagram account where like people can mm-hmm. answer and I could post my answers. But I think a Google voice where I just want the voicemails because it's they're so fun to play back. Yeah. Um, you just gave me a new idea. <laughs> yes. Um, for people who are following in your footsteps, what advice would you give them to either avoid some of the potholes that you've hit or to stay motivated through the whole journey? Um, I would say when you're first starting out and you don't know a lot about what you're doing, um, put your head down and just do the work. Um, but also know that um, your time and the work that you're doing is valuable and you shouldn't be taken advantage of because I have been in the in situations where um, I've been taken advantage of because of all the things that I can do. Um, and they're like, oh, you can do that. Then you can do that for less money than what if we hired somebody else, like that that's just their single job to do. Right. Um, we'll just add it on top of what you're already yeah, doing, but not exactly. pay you any more money. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, so don't let people take advantage of you, which I that was some um, things that I fell into. But real quick um, on that, I'd love to uh-huh. talk through like, how how do you protect yourself? How do you create those barriers when you yeah. are such a um, multi uh, talented person? Like, how do you have that conversation when they say like, oh, hey, I know we hired you for photography, but mm-hmm. since you can market and do Instagram and blah, 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 like, can you do all of it? And it'll be the same rate. What do you say back? So, so then um, I sit down and it on my own, I wrote out exactly what each job that I was doing, how much um, the market rate was for that to get paid, and then um, how many hours it took me, the job description, and then every single step in every day because sometimes really people just don't they're so busy doing their own thing that they don't realize how much work that you're putting in Mm -hmm. so um for like three weeks I wrote down every single thing I was doing put it on on in a spreadsheet and then said hey can we sit down have a talk so um so I sat down, we talked it out, and I just said, this is all the work that I'm doing. Um, I really love doing it. I would love to just continue doing it, but I think that I should be paid more money for it. And um, I've done that twice in my career, and both times it was the people just didn't realize how much work I was putting in. It just went over their head. Totally. And I, I've been in that position as a, a person hiring someone or as a leader where like I'm running around with my head cut off and then I'm like, oh, you can do it. Great. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And I know that I love when people stop me and say like, hey, uh, you're not an idiot, but I think you might be an idiot in this area. Can can mm-hmm. I educate you? And I'm like, yes, yeah. please. And yeah, I, and I, go ahead. 
No, and I, I just, I, that's my philosophy was so many things. Like if someone's, if someone's occurring to me as an idiot or maybe an asshole, or I'm like, how could they do this? I'm like, time out. Did I, do I need to educate somebody about what I see or my perspective? And often when I follow your advice and do that, they are I like relieved, embarrassed, and like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me. Right, right. And I, um... I, now that I am a boss, I regularly check in with the people that work for me and like, are, are you being fairly compensated? Are you, tell me everything you're doing. Is this too much? Do we need to pull back on this? Because, you know, I, that is how you create a great environment for which people want to work in. Mm -hmm. And so like the fact that I've had, um, someone call me like they, they said that I was a great role model for them, which I was like, I'm a role model. <laughs> and then they're like, you're like a amazing boss. And it just like, it really like helped me see that like there are, that I need to, that I, that when I'm doing what I should be doing, then people appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was the other um, advice you gave for women rising behind you? Um, to always speak up, um, for example, one of the people that now they were doing freelance for me, um, a, a couple years ago, but now she's on like my team team. She, um, she was like, I really want to work on this, this other project that you have, and I'll work on it for less money if you don't have the budget for it. And I was, I told her, I was like, don't ever say that to anyone. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> like if you enjoy working on it, I will bring I, I can bring you on, on in like a limited capacity, but don't ever sell yourself short for any job ever. I and love so that. once the job kept like I was able to bring her on in a fuller capacity once we were able to um grow grow the uh position more. So it sounds like you get a lot of pride out of being able to mentor and guide and be the leader that you wish you always had for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so easy not to be an asshole. And I don't understand <laughs> why people don't see that. Like, it's so, so easy. Just have compassion for people. Remember where you were. I don't believe in, like, this thing where, you know, I did it, so that's how it's supposed to be done. Or um, I had to struggle. Like, no, no one has to struggle. Pay people what they should be paid, what their worth is, or you continue to do the work. It's easy as that. And I think the reality is that everyone's going to have your own struggle, no matter what position you're in mm -hmm. or what you have. So, like, you don't need to be the one to, like, force a struggle on somebody. <laughs> like, right. There's going to be enough struggles that happen without you helping. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it doesn't need to be the same struggle as yours. Like, mm -hmm. why not clear the path, right? Like, I love the the quote of, like, may the bridges I burn light your way. Like, I hope that the pain and suffering that any one person's had to go through will not have to be replicated for, for like, it to, for everyone to get it. 100%. Well, someday. I listened to this podcast called Script Notes, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, like, this Hollywood that's two big like Hollywood screenwriters that created this podcast that they don't get like any money for it. They just do it to help writers that are coming up in the business or even seasoned writers. And they have been very like instrumental in getting a lot of the old way that Hollywood was performing changed. I love that. And I love it. Yeah. So you have three podcasts that you're working on. You're co-hosting one yourself. You mm -hmm. um, have produced a show that's that's on Amazon. You mm -hmm. are volunteering. You are a boss lady. You are creating all these things. You keep writing. Like what what are you um, striving for now? And what are you chasing? Like what's next on your list? And what do you see as as an ultimate goal if you have one? Uh, my ultimate goal is to have, um, which I ha already have on a small scale, but I would love to have a a huge production company where I can, um, it's 
women focus where under the umbrella is all I have podcasts and TV shows and movies um, and any other thing that's new and pops up in media because it's always changing. Um, so I want to have that that big production company um, where um, I can just satisfy everything that I'm interested in in the entertainment industry. Um, so like, I like I love Shonda Rhimes and she's got Shondaland where she's um, <laughs> has podcasts and had half the shows on ABC, but now she's moved over to Netflix. Yeah. Um, she's got a big um, deal with um, one of these um, radio networks. And then um, also like Ava DuVernay has her company and has Array, which is like a distribution company where she helps um, people of color get their um, projects seen. And so she's so awesome, by the way. She's so amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, those are some of the women that in the entertainment industry that I, that really, I look to and figure out, like I see like what I get on there, like IMDB pro and figure out like what different positions they're creating for people and figure out how I can have those positions or work towards those positions in my own company. I think that's it's so important to be looking at the people who are ahead of you or around mm-hmm. you and and essentially like copying whatever they do that's yeah. awesome. Like take the best practices. Like what path did they follow? How did they leapfrog to where they're going? Not that you mm-hmm. have to do it yourself, but Right. It's like no, like there's all this information out there. Like go study everything you can about whoever's living the closest path to your life. Mm-hmm. Like why wouldn't you get the cliff notes? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, again about like making it easier on ourselves. Like if you want to be the next Gabby Bernstein, like go study what Gabby Bernstein's done. Like Exactly. There's there's room for all of us. So but like mm-hmm. don't don't live in the place of oh, they must have done something magical that I'll never be able to no. figure out. It's like, no, like all regular humans just at different, at speeds right now. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Ava DuVernay says she didn't even pick up a camera till she was 30. So like it, there's no like you're not too late or too early or there's no just like right time for anything. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite thing about co-hosting a podcast? Okay, so I don't know if you're familiar at all with this podcast that I co-host. It's called uh, Don't Blame Me. Um, It is a call-in advice show. And um, when we first started, we were getting very, like, high school-y questions. Like, I don't know how to tell this boy that I like him and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? We got to, we can't do this. This is not. (laughs) Megan, she was 24 or 23 at the time. She's 26 now. And um, I'm like seven, eight years older than her. And I was like, this this is not helping anybody. (laughs) Um, So we just need to do an episode about sex. And then when we did that episode, we got so many calls that it expanded for um, two or three episodes. And then we kind of just like once we hit that threshold, that changed the type of calls that we get in. So we're getting a lot of like mental health calls and um, sexual calls as well and dating and like toxic friends. And our biggest thing is like, if um which it's a quote that Megan heard from her therapist but it's a famous quote is like if it's hysterical it's historical so if something is bothering you it probably has something to do with something in the past that we need to like get into and um figure out why you're reacting to these situations and so it's really just like it's become a community not just through the podcast and people, I you don't want to see my DMs on Instagram. People <laughs> send me the most <clears throat> graphic questions about things in their lives that I don't want to know. And I don't, I'm like, you know that I can like look at your pictures and figure out <laughs> who you're talking about in these things. Um, but like, just like a sisterhood, mm-hmm. um, we've got a private Facebook group as well where people 
are sharing like experiences about things that they're going through. Um, and it's very exclusive. Our decline rate is much higher than our approval rate. Um, cause we've got very specific questions that we ask e- each person because we want it to be such a like safe environment where people can be open about who they are. Um, and so I've just realized like how much we actually help people mm-hmm. with the podcast. Um, at first it was just going to be something fun. And like the, the tagline of the show was like, um, um, uh, you can ask whatever you want, but you can't like, don't blame me if the advice is bad. <laughs> but now it's like, actually like we're actually giving like useful, valuable, life-changing advice. And since we've been doing it for, three seasons now we've got people like they called in first season they've told us like how much their life has changed in the last three years just because of one piece of advice that we gave them so it's just empowering yeah no it's so incredible like this is such a great example of how one person with or I guess technically two people with two microphones and a phone Mm -hmm. like you're making this ripple effect and it's not like it podcasting is hard work and Answering, giving advice that yeah. you would give to a friend isn't brain surgery, right? Right. It's so doable. Like the impact that you're making and the impact other people can make, like it's not hard to make the impact you want to make. Just like it's not mm-hmm. hard to not be an asshole. Right. Just 100%. Do it. Just share mm-hmm. and do it and be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, when you look at what's ahead of you, like, what are you excited and lit up about? Like, what is getting you up in the morning and being like, yes, like, we, let's go. I got things to do. Uh, and if that's not your besides, vibe, you can translate that to your vibe. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I don't like being bored ever. Like, I'm mm-hmm. never, ever just sitting and it's like, oh, I need something to do. It's like, I get my sleep and get up. And I look at my every day, every day I'm constantly adding things to my to-do list. And then the night before I put, I slot it into places on my calendar. It's like, I know it's going to take me this amount of time to do this. And this is when I'm going to get it done, blah, blah, blah. So that's how, like, I get my day set every day and I know what I have to do. And I get so much enjoyment for hitting mark complete Mm -hmm. when I'm done with a task. So I just, I just love being active and I feel like every every podcast that I do brings some type of different joy to um everyone every like script that I'm writing has some type of like underlying meaning to life in it so every I just feel like I'm incorporating all my um beliefs into what I do so it never really feels like work Mm mm-hmm well, we ask everyone on the podcast where they put mm-hmm. themselves in the Powerful Lady scale. Okay. Uh, zero is average everyday human. Ten is the most powerful lady you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Where would you rank yourself today? And where do you think you rank yourself on average? Okay. Uh, today, I would put myself at a zero just because I'm still in my pajamas. Um. <laughs> 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 and we're like Skyping. Actually, no, you know, this is very... What we're doing right now is, I think it's above average. So I'm going to put it at like a four. All right. Um, Then when I put everything that I'm doing, like encompassing my whole week for this week, I'd put it at like a six. Then like 10's Oprah. I'm not there yet, (laughs) but I will be. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. (laughs) But I will be. I love it. Is mm-hmm. there anything that we haven't touched on that you, you know, want everyone listening to know about you or, you know, advice for them or anything else you want to speak to before we wrap up today? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just like to be yourself. And that took me a long time to realize that I could just be like goofy and fun and, uh, be able to share who my true self was without like um I wouldn't say dumbing myself down but just like not fully presenting who I was I think just because I I grew up always moving around and so I had to adjust to the people there because I thought I needed to fit into who like who I thought 
I saw the cool quote unquote cool people were. Um, and then once I really like became myself, which I don't think it happened until I was maybe like 24, 25, um, that's when I really enjoyed life and not enjoyed it as a like version of myself that I thought I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to being a yes to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Thank, thank you, you for, for having me on. Of course. Thank you for sharing your very inspiring story. And I can't wait to support you and cheer for you as you become Oprah. Thank you. And I really, really enjoy what you're doing. This is amazing and phenomenal. So kudos to you. Thank you so much. I think Melissa just broke the standard on what it means to be a powerful lady. How does she get it all done? (laughs) I know she told us and I'm still amazed. Not only is she a total boss, She's out there making a difference with the causes and the communities and the people that matter to her. May we all find more of the Melissa in each of us. To support, connect, and follow Melissa, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at SheIsNotMelissa. And of course, we have links to all of her podcasts, all of her shows, everything available on Amazon and elsewhere, even her episode that she recorded with Chelsea Handler. It's all available in this episode's show notes at thepowerfulladies.com forward slash podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this new episode of the Powerful Ladies podcast. If you're a yes to Powerful Ladies and want to support us, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a powerful review on Apple Podcasts. You can also be one of our Patreons for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com forward slash Powerful Ladies we can get access to exclusive content that we're making just for you. Follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. And of course, visit our website, thepowerfulladies.com for all the latest news, details, and updates. I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. You can follow her on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then... I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. This episode of The Powerful Ladies is made possible by our Patreon subscribers. Did you know that for as little as $1 a month, you can support this podcast? You can send us love, tell us that you want more. You can support all of our events and all that we're doing in the world to fulfill on our full circle of empowerment. It starts at $1 a month. That's less than the coffee you're drinking a day. And there's so many more levels that give you more bonuses and fun things and behind the scenes information. So go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash powerful ladies and support us today. Thank you in advance. <laughs>